Welcome to the Motherhood Village Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez-Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox, and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am on with a very, very special guest. I have Mrs. Katie Cabanas. She is the founder of Cabanas um, Consulting, which is, and she is also a branding expert with domestic and international experience. From AT&T and Coca-Cola to the University of Miami and A-Rod Corp, Katie loves to develop ways to connect people to brands and causes, and causes to create lasting value. What's most exciting is Katie takes key strategies and tactics learned through big brand experience and translates them to support everyday entrepreneurs, many of the women and mothers. Prior to Cabana's consulting, Katie served as the vice president of operations for A-Rod Corp, where she was responsible for strategic planning and implementation of all branding, marketing, and philanthropy. There, Katie worked closely with the New York Yankees and Major League Baseball on various youth and philanthropic initiatives. Before joining A-Rod Corp, Katie raised major and principal gifts at the University of Miami. Wow, Katie, like, yeah. Katie helped launch the $1.6 billion momentum campaign, oversaw the fundraising efforts of the undergraduate ac- academic schools and colleges while expanding relationships with individual and large corporate donors. I also know that you're a mom to two boys. I, I have our two sons and I have two older stepchildren yes, too. So yes. we're a family of six. Woo. Okay. So we're going to dive in, but yes. before we do, I love to always ask my guests two questions. Number one, what is your favorite book or one that you would like to recommend? I know we just like read that fantastic bio. And <laughs> I would love to deep like, dive into all of it, which we are into some aspects, but I love sharing resources and I think books is a great way. So please. Books are one of the greatest resources yes. for me. I would agree completely. And I love that you start with that because it, like motherhood, it is very much something that brings us together, reading. And so when I think about that question, I would answer, and your listeners in particular, I would think about it in two ways. Mm -hmm. First, I would think in personal development. One book that I read recently is called Playing Big by Tara Moore. And she talks a lot about how you increase or decrease your impact by the moves you make, the messages you have. So I love that one. And I share that often with my clients and friends. Separately, uh, on the motherhood front, there are a couple that I love. And first, I would start with Strong Mothers, Strong Sons by Dr. Meg Meeker. And she talks about, in a very forthright way, about the important role that mothers have. And with your son, he's five. I'm just starting. Yeah. That book applies. And I will, mine are, the younger ones are 14 and 16. And I find that I will go back and refer to a chapter that I read or maybe well over a year ago. Because my journey now as a mother, the mother I am, I've never been the mother of a 16 and 14 year old before. And so I need to change. And so that book has held the test of time. And to that end that you, to that end that you change, 
as you grow in your motherhood journey. I There are two. One is called The Self-Driven Child by Johnson and Stixrud. I love that one about backing off. As they get older, your five-year-old is so dependent upon you as he should be. And you realize, wait a minute, I've got to back off and or else I'm doing them a disservice. And so the self-driven child, um, I even have my husband reading it and he's been um, really into it. So that's great. And then most recently I started Never Enough by uh, Jennifer Wallace. She is an author and she has this book that talks about this achievement culture. Mm. And my 16 year old is, we're starting to talk SAT prep and colleges, et cetera. And we have to focus on how they matter, how they, the people they're becoming and not the more superficial descriptors of sports or GPA or SAT score, et cetera. And so I think that the books that come to mind, thank you for not pinning me down on one, the the books that come to mind are both personal development and motherhood. And I feel like motherhood is the ultimate joiner of all roles that we have as women. Yeah. And actually we can probably have a whole conversation on those books and dive deep into it. Um, But one of the things that you said that's very poignant is the fact of how we have to back off and truthfully to add to that. And what I'm recognizing now is the tools that we have to invest in ourselves to then pass to our children so that when we do let go, we can trust that they're handling all the things, which I know that could be a whole different topic concerning you have teens and children. Um, And I'm passionate about these conversations because I'm in it and my son is going is in kindergarten and it's literally only been a week and a half and I'm like holy moly like how did parents do this with limited resources years ago because this is a whole different territory but anyway I can digress and go I want to dive into who has been a part of your motherhood village who has really been there throughout it because like you said you're at different stages you've never been the mother you are today Um, so who has really been kind of part of that motherhood village for you? Sure. Well, I I mean, first I would say my mom, um, and when she was alive, my mom was such a supporter and ironically, my mom was a supporter of me as a mother, but she was also a champion of my marriage Mm -hmm. and the reminder that your marriage needs to have a, it's primary place. And then when that you're in good shape there, then great parenting can ensue. Um, and then, you know, my, my, I have a terrific husband. I mean, he's really incredible. He's incredibly evolved. He is, and I'm, I feel so grateful for that. And then I, you know, extended family. And then, um, I, I really feel like, um, my friend groups and that's ebbed, my friend groups have ebbed and flowed as my children's ages and stages changed. Then those friend groups evolved and it's what a beautiful thing to have now that I have teenagers, have some new friends and I have a someone driving in my family. I, you know, my son's driving. That means I have a tiny bit more time. And so how am I using that? And, and so, um, whether it's a group from church and then, um, or we do some kind of a study Mm -hmm. or it's a friend group with whom I'm exercising. And I just, I, I feel like intentionally cultivating community for me has been a through point by which I have 
been able to find the resources I need, get the support I need. And, and those are, you know, it's, it really, which is what you talk yeah. about and champion is the concept of a village. For sure. And I, I always ask that question because I always want to remind my listeners that your village can look like many things. I know, especially living in South Florida, we have many families that are transplanted here, many families that don't have that quote unquote village, yes. you know, physically. Um, I mean, I have one mom in my support group that her family lives in Israel, right? So it's difficult for her, um, but she found community within my support group and really leaning on friends. And I think to your point, sometimes you have to cultivate it and build it yourself. Well, I love that you bring that up and you. I've heard you on your podcast share that point often. Yes. And it's a, it's a great one to touch on because I didn't grow up in South Florida, I'm, but I married um, someone from Miami. And so therefore, we know when I say extended family, for example, I had three nieces and um, that are older and they have saved me on numerous occasions for babysitting. Yeah. And now they're starting to have their own children. It's so beautiful. And, um, but that was uncomfortable for me to sure. ask for help. And it's something that I had to learn to do. And I'm still learning how to do yeah. it. You know, Simon Sinek? Yeah, I love him. So one of the quotes I heard him, and I don't know what podcast he spoke on, but basically he said, um, asking for help is the greatest service you can give others. So always kind of remember that. And I had, that has stayed with me because I think as women, as mothers, as entrepreneurs, which I know we're going to dive into, we don't often do that. And very much what I found, and I'm just starting... My motherhood journey, my little guy is only five, my entrepreneur journey, but very similar, the isolation that comes with both, the overwhelm that comes with both, the difficulty of like, where do I fit? What's my village? So when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's so profound. Absolutely. Like that is the greatest service we can give others by just saying, hey, can I, can you help me? And more so than not, people are willing to help. I think we just have this fear behind it. But I want to jump into your background because I think it's, freaking amazing of what you've built. Um, and the fact that you are a mom and I always say, and I'm sure you've heard, I bow down to the single moms, the moms of multiples, and you have teenagers and older children because it is difficult and it's not for the faint of heart. So the fact that you've juggled the different roles, I want to say, or ask you what led you to get into the branding and marketing industry? What inspired you to kind of go that route and then become an entrepreneur behind it? I know that's probably a loaded question, but I want you to see as, you know, as much as you can dive into that. Sure, sure. Well, I take that in two parts. So first off, um, how I worked in the branding and marketing um, area. And so I think early in college, I considered myself somewhat extroverted. Mm -hmm. I would um, oftentimes do a lot of volunteer work. Sure. And so taking communications classes and then marketing classes felt... Um, I was interested in it and it was felt like something that I did well. And then from there, my first job was with AT&T and I mean, you couldn't be more corporate Yes, and it, they were big corporate too. And so I worked in the telecommunications industry. I worked in the U S and then I worked and lived in Latin America. So I was an expat in three different countries. Wow. And so that was terrific. And I will tell you, Nicole, never did I think about entrepreneurship as a vehicle that I was, I was going to jump on that train. Mm -hmm. And then later on in my career, I began to realize when I had different, different, different experiences in varied industries, whether that was telecommunications or working in higher ed 
or working in professional sports, I realized, wow, you know, there are strategies that you put in place across industries that um, make brands successful. Uh And I began to realize that everyone deserves terrific strategy. And so it came to me that, huh, I wonder what having my own business would be, would be like, and what might that be like? But when did that inkling start? Because I find it fascinating because I grew up and I don't want to interrupt, but I do, because I want you to kind of tie it because I had this fascination of younger, when I was younger, that I wanted to be a C- E-O-C-F-O, never thinking I can be an entrepreneur and having that because technically that's what I'm doing now, but I busted my butt to the top. When did that come that you kind of put the one and one equals two and you're like, boom, this is what it could be. Right. Well, I feel like I came late to the party Mm. and it felt very daunting because like I said, I had worked for larger organizations or big brands and I came to that realization. It was twofold. Number one, it was the allure of solving these problems that I'm solving for big brands for small businesses. And based upon how the Small Business Administration um, determines small businesses, over 85% of businesses in this country are small businesses. And so that was number one. And number two, a more flexible schedule. Because you're a mom, family. Bingo. And so those two things propelled me to consider that. But I thought about it way before I took the plunge. And then I began to realize I grew up in the Midwest. I, my father, my grandfather on both sides, they all worked in the meat industry. And I remember when I was very young that every time we would go to the grocery store, my dad's products were there. And so we would always have to go and make sure that they were facing the client, Mm. facing the the consumer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we'd have to go, even if we needed one thing, a gallon of milk, we had to go face the products. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm not that far far off. off. And then I began to realize all the things that we did related to the family business. And then I thought, okay, and I'm going to really consider that. And then um, I feel so grateful. Uh, My husband was incredibly supportive and he said, you need to do this. You can do this. I mean, he was probably more on board. He's, he's, well, that's men. I think men, and we can probably talk about the difference of men sure. and women in that way, because yeah, I think they have, and it's such a wonderful thing. Like there's just no fear in that. They're like, he, my husband too. He's like, well, just do it. Like, and I'm like, oh, just do it. I'm yes. like, okay. Well, it is so true. And that is one of the things it's why I love that book. And I wanted to share that one with your listeners playing big, mm. because one of the things that uh, Tara Moore talks about is that women entrepreneurs in particular will say, oh, you know what? I'm going to start that business when I have an MBA. And then after I do that, I'm going to get that certification. And then I'm going to become this, I'm going to have that certificate and the MBA. And then I can think about maybe taking the class about how to start a business (laughs) or I'm not going to charge or my prices are going to be too low. Like we just undersell and undervalue what we can bring on so many levels. Yes. Yes. And what I feel like that I have come to the realization as my business has evolved and it evolved, I'm six years in. So is that that happens to women in general, whether they are, they have their own business or they work in large, they're corporately employed and everyone needs an entrepreneurial mindset and what I would say, messaging. No, it's so true. Working in corporate, I mean, that's where I spent a lot of my time. It sounds like your 
kind of trajectory similar to mine in the corporate world in the sense of you were like, yeah, communications. And I kind of went and your career just, you start here and it's kind of like that, that river that you kind of flow. And that was very similar for me in corporate. And it wasn't until I became a mom that I was like, this isn't working. Like now I understand why before I became a mother and the women that I worked with that were mothers, why there were certain things and how I had judged them, you know? Um, Cause I was first one in last one out and I was like, Oh, I'm killing it. And now I'm like, Oh, now I see why, because you realize, wait, I want to be, I want to work smarter, not harder. So I can be home with my children and all the things. But you, you mentioned something just now with the trajectory and, and, and things with business of saying, I started here and you're trying to find a way and saying, okay, I want more flexibility for myself. I want you to talk to me about why entrepreneurship in itself is a passion of yours and also motivating and inspiring the next generation of women entrepreneurs to come on and why it's so important to have the entrepreneurial message because I think it's all inclusive. Even for those women listening who don't want to be an entrepreneur, um, but working in corporate, why it's so important. So maybe talk about advocating for women in business in general, whether that's owning your business or you're in corporate America, climbing that corporate ladder and why it's so important to have an entrepreneurial mindset and a vision for that, a message behind yourself. Right. Well, why is it, why it's a passion of mine is that when I came to that realization that I, wait a minute, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. I've worked in a family business. I've done this before in a small, smaller fashion over the years that enabled me to make the realization I can do that. And then that concept of, okay, entrepreneurial mindset, Mm -hmm. what is that? And then I, I love podcasts as you know, as we've discussed and reading and joining a mastermind. So then what you begin to do is creating a community. And that's why what you're doing, whether you're the folks in your community are working in a corporation or they're working as a creating a business that they create community. And so for me that creating that entrepreneurial mindset was bolstered by allowing myself to connect with friends, create new uh, relationships that served me at those, at that juncture. And then one of my um, one of my clients, uh, I do some work with Babson College, and the leader of the Frank and Eileen Center mm-hmm. for Women's Entrepreneurship, Dr. Shakina Williams, says, and I love this. She says, entrepreneurship is a life skill, and she has a corporate background. Now she has an MBA and a PhD, and sure. she leads this incredible center at Babson College. And what she does is she talks about how. That is a life skill, regardless of where you find yourself. And I agree with it completely. And when I work with my clients, that is something that we really focus on, is focusing on where they want to go, whether that's in the corporate world or uh, through their business. And are you saying that because now that I'm an entrepreneur, because you're saying it's the grit, it's the resiliency, it's the hard work, it's the figuring things out, especially for most of us are solopreneurs. I'm sure when you started, it's kind of yourself. You're trying to figure out, do all the things. Then you start realizing, okay, do I need to hire a team? What does my budget look like? So to your point, God, I, I never looked at it that way, but it is a life skill because you're gaining all of this with the exception, and I know you mentioned the daily drip. Um, I think one of the topics we taught, we touched upon with that, I think it's also something that not 
everyone has in the sense of creating a business. I think you can have it within your corporate and there's certain things, but there's a special something for you to take and to say, you know what, I'm going to go on my own and build this from the bottom up. Yes. That takes a lot of self-awareness. Um, the fact that you just said that you invested time, that's all the things I did. That's why I'm like, there's so much synergy there with that because I did the same thing. I'm like, all right, let me do all the free masterminds, the free master classes, like all the things, read the books and figure out and taking then, which I know we're going to dive into kind of like some soft skills and hard skills that are needed. But, um, I want you to also mention to the women listening to this and even some men, when you have that entrepreneurial mindset in corporate life, um, in your corporate career, what are some important things for them to know within their messaging? Sure. Well, one of the things that I realized I took on a lot of, I, I had the opportunity to take on a lot of projects mm-hmm. um, when I worked in larger organizations and they were brand new or in some cases I was given a business unit and I had to turn that around. Figure it out. Figure it out. It was a lot of figure it out. Yeah. And those experiences after I did that, I don't know, five or six or seven plus times, I realized, okay, wait a minute, this is a skill. And one of the things that I realized is that's an entrepreneurial skill. And I didn't think I was an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So back to the winding road that we talked about earlier. So what I like to say to my clients, whether they are corporately employed or they are small business owners um, or contemplating starting a business Mm -hmm. is I talk about the three C's. And so it's number one, clarify. So good old Stephen Covey, start with the end in mind. So clarify what your goal is, what you're thinking about. Um, Maybe you want a promotion or you want to talk about a hybrid schedule because it serves you better. Or let's clarify what is your goal. And then separately craft, what are the messages that can serve as a bridge for you between where you are right now and that future vision that you have. And for example, for small business owners, some who have never had a business before, I like to focus on your I help statement. And so I help blah, 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 blah. So for example, let's say you have retreats or let's say you have I help women business owners who are interested in connecting with other women business owners through retreats and special experiences to increase their confidence, et cetera. So your I help statement and, and you think about these messages. And then the final piece is that the final C Mm -hmm. of the three C's is connect and you're connecting with people. So who are the kinds of people with whom you need to be connecting? Where do you want to have that impact? So To recap the three C's, it's clarify, craft, and connect. And the crafting of the messages I'm so passionate about because your messages are powerful. And I will share one quick anecdote. There is um, uh, a woman, in fact, there's a Harvard business um, study, um, case study rather, that was written about Carla Harris. And she was one of the first African-American managing directors at Morgan Stanley. Okay. And we're talking investment banking. Wow. I mean, this is, you know, Wall Street and et cetera. And she was interested in a new position. And she talked about, oh gosh, you know, um, yeah, she got some feedback and they said, but, you know, Carla, you know, you're just so, so nice. And, and you're so, and she's like, what do you mean? Like, 
I'm tough. And, and they're like, are you tough enough for this job? And she's like, what do you mean? And she says this powerful, she says, yes, I was tough, but was I showing up tough in what I said and what I did? And so then she goes on and talks about how for the next 90 days, all she did was talk about how and act, how tough she was. And she reminded people about that and that toughness, that inherent grit that she had. And then three plus months later, she heard someone, oh gosh, wow. Well, you know, if you interview with Carla, she's one of the toughest interviewers I know. And she realized... I was doing myself a disservice in how I was capturing what I did and the value that I brought. And so that's why I like those three C's, whether you are big corporate or small business, what do you want to do? What's the clear, what's the goal that you need to clarify? What are the messages you need to craft and how do you need to connect? I think that's, yeah, I think it's, Yeah. Being again, being an entrepreneur and being someone who has been on the corporate side of things, I think as you were talking, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's a little bit of all that because even if you're not looking to start a business, you have to still learn how to advocate for yourself, whether it's a raise, the flexibility, as you said, especially for the working parents, because dads as well, but you have to be clear on that. Be clear on what you're looking for and asking for. Don't just go in open-ended, like be clear, very, very clear on what that is. And recently I worked with someone who was very clear on what she wanted, but the conversation that we had, I said, great, I get it. I love it. Can you please be clear now on the benefit for your employer? Yes. Let's talk about that because, um, and and that was a hard moment and she's like, ouch. And I said, that's why we're having this conversation. Because to your point, then how can you connect? Because, oh gosh, that's so true. And it's so funny because I, I learned that on, I learned that very quickly when I was rising within this one particular company and I started as like an accounting coordinator and worked my way up to VP of finance things weren't getting done. And I'm like, oh, in my mind, I'm like, this would be so great. And we need this. And then it just hit me. And I'm like, Nicole, who is that person? They care, this particular, this particular owner, because not all owners do, cares about truly the bottom line. Some do, I mean, hello, we should all care about the bottom line, but in the sense of like that, they were like, show me the numbers. Like, I don't care about anything else. I don't care if it's going to make the company better. Like they, they were like, I want to see the numbers. So I had to sit there and I'm like, oh, this has to be win-win. This is business. It has to be win-win. I cannot go in completely like, but it'll make me a better employee. Yes, I can say that, but it's like, okay, well, how is that then going to benefit me? Are you going to be more, whatever that is. But I knew in my mind, I'm like, I can't show them anything without showing the numbers of how that's going to affect the business. Yes, and that Negatively and positively. knowing your audience, which yes. is the connection piece. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Now, why are you passionate or why do you think it's so important for entrepreneurs, for mothers, entrepreneurs, the mompreneurs, we hear that now. Um, and it's great to see, uh, especially I think after COVID, like it's just an influx of that. I mean, I am a product of the great resignation. I left corporate in 2021 um, just because as I stated before, I did not have that employer support um, of rate, trying to raise a family. And truthfully, I wasn't even asking for much, but even the bare minimum that I was getting wasn't enough, even though I was giving 150. Okay, fine. But why do you think it benefits mothers? And why do you think mothers make good entrepreneurs? I know Kevin Leary from um, Shark Tank. He's a big advocate for women business owners. I think he says they're the most hardworking 
you know, they do are, are arguably the best of his investments that he has. But why do you feel um, entrepreneurship is important for mothers to jump into and why are they successful with it? Anecdotally, I would say it's the expertise in multitasking <laughs> and and also understanding how and, and juggling all of these balls yeah. that you have to as a as a working mom. Yeah. You learn or you or you learn. Yeah, because there's Those no, are your there's, two no options. there's no failing. You just have to correct, do it. Yeah. correct. And then what's interesting is the data bears that out. And there's some recent uh, research from McKinsey mm-hmm. that talks about gender diverse teams are 20 percent more likely to have above average profitability. Yeah. Okay, gender diverse teams are over 20 percent more likely to have above average profitability. When we add to that teams who are culturally or racially diverse, the number jumps to over 33%. And so why do I mention that? Because when you can begin to be clear, then you can begin to talk about crafting your message, connecting with what's important, whether it's your boss or it's your client. And so that's why I'm so passionate. That's why I love what I get to do. I'm so fortunate that I can help people. And really, you know, as you shared in my bio early on, and when I started my business, um, I really had a lot of nonprofit clients because I've done a lot of fundraising and I've been on both sides of the philanthropic uh, equation. I've raised dollars and I've deployed capital. And, but one of the, so I would say it was probably 70 nonprofit, 30 for-profit. And that has completely shift, shifted in, in the past couple of years. It's now the opposite. It's 70 for-profit, 30%. I still always take one to two nonprofits at a time because smaller nonprofits and nonprofits in general, they always have the passion. Sometimes they don't have um, the process and you need to have great process to make impact. But where I'm going with this is, is that this idea of entrepreneurship and particularly women entrepreneurs. And in the past two years, I've worked with a lot of female entrepreneurs or entrepreneurially minded women who are also corporately employed. Yeah. And when they begin to feel confident in their messaging, it's powerful. Imagine when you can walk in and you say, okay, I'm pretty clear on what the messages need to be based upon this audience. And when you, and it supports what you want to have happen, what works well for the audience at hand, that's a powerful combination. And that's where we can start to make impact. It's when we make impact in nonprofits, it's when our businesses begin to grow, grow. It's when we feel great when we're at the dinner table with our families and we talk about the impact that we made on behalf of our clients etc. That's powerful. And that is the engine. When we go back to small businesses, that's the engine of our country and making, making those impacts. A hundred percent. And since you are a mompreneur, you're a working mother and all the things, how has it been bridging the gap? And have you taken some of the skills that you have learned? Like you said, it's still fairly new, six years, I guess, when you think about it, right? 
Um, but then of course, like you said, having all the skills that you brought from having being in corporate and saying, wait, throughout this whole time, I had the entrepreneurial skills under my belt. I just wasn't u- utilizing it for myself. I was utilizing it to support somebody else. How have you bridged that gap, I guess, in being a mother? And the way I, I'd like you to break that down is number one, I'm sure they're learning from you. So maybe how have you kind of maybe invoked an entrepreneurial spirit in them and entrepreneurial mindset in them living their life, messaging. I know messaging, I mean, you're a branding expert. Um, so messaging is clear and important. So I like, I love to talk about that. Number one, for me to learn, you know, of like how I can help with my son. Um, because to your point, I think it is important because there is a certain level, like you said, like you have to survive. And if you're a business owner, like that you want to survive, right? That's you want your business to stay afloat. So you have to kind of persevere through that. So yeah, how have you kind of, I guess, bridge that gap and maybe unknowingly, um, uh, subconsciously you've done that. Right. And if you want to take a minute to think about that, you can, (laughs) um, just because I know like, as you were talking, I'm like, goodness, you have this wealth of knowledge. So how have you transferred that to your children? And I'm sure they're learning. Maybe that's something you go back and ask, say, Hey, how has this impact you? But I know it has to. Right. Right. Well, I, my kids, we've, I've, I've been so fortunate to be able to involve them in some client engagements. For example, one of my clients, in fact, my very first client was a family foundation and they wanted to create a vocational training school in the Caribbean. Mm. And they said, but you know, to understand that, and this is a a pretty impoverished country and in Jamaica in many areas, and yet tourism is one of their key economic drivers. And so the kids went with me, my husband and the kids went with me and we saw this very small town and saw where this work and the work that was going to have. Well, they're celebrating, as am I, their six-year anniversary, and they are doing incredibly well. We see the, what they're doing. They focused on, we created a strategic plan, and they focused on economic drivers for the curriculum. And so for the kids to see what I was doing and for them to see firsthand, sure. what a gift, what a gift that I was given with that client. I'll be um, forever forever grateful. And that's when it's appropriate. There are also some client engagements where they're not involved at all and I never talk about it. And in fact, because I have a background in communications and branding and have done a, a crisis communication in my past, some of that just never comes up intentionally so. And But one of the things that um, they do realize is that being discreet is important and they'll ask questions sometimes. And I'm like, that's a really great question. And um, that's something that is private for that client. And that's why it's really important in business to be discreet. And so that's generated some conversation. And so it's, it's open And, um, but it's also on occasion, it's not open. And we talk about that too. So I think to answer your question in a roundabout way, it's having the conversation, but the conversations that I can have with my 14 year old and 16 year old are vastly different than the ones that you have with your five year old. Sure. And, but it's the dialogue. It's um, the clarity, the messaging, the communication. Yes. And it's the connection because you're desirous of having that great connected relationship with your son, as am I. And so the conversation, um, that's, you keep working at it. And sometimes you do poorly (laughs) and, and sometimes you don't. I mean, 
know, I would add to in addition to being a parent as a step parent. And I think that's where I have some of my most epic fails is where I was as a step parent because you have all of these great ideas. Um, (laughs) and, and, uh, you're a step parent, but in my case, I was a step parent before I was a parent. Oh, wow. And so, um, yeah, I mean, the good news is, um, my stepkids still talk to me and they're wonderful, incredible, they're incredible young adults. And, uh, so, but again, I go back to, um, answering your question, which is about connection and valuing that connection and recognizing I got it wrong Mm -hmm. and keep keep at it, keeping at it. I love it. And I love how basically you're saying to have the boundaries with your children and saying, okay, this is what we can talk about, but them seeing firsthand kind of like you running the business. And like I said, I think subconsciously, maybe even with your message, when it comes to branding yourself and how you want to show up in the world and what you want to do, I'm sure those conversations come very organically of when you talk. That's why I'm like, I'm sure I'd love to be a fly on the wall with that. But Come for dinner, Nicole. Yes. Come sit yes. at the sit at the dinner table. Yes. Um, but I want to ask, can you prepare for entrepreneurship? I asked my guest um, on last week's episode, can you prepare for postpartum? And um, she said, absolutely. Do you think that you can physically prepare for entrepreneurship in, I guess, physically, spiritually, emotionally? Like, how would you give tips to someone if someone's like, I want to become an entrepreneurial mindset and all the things? What are some tips to get them to prepare for that? Well, I'm going to answer this um, by going back to where you focus and you focus on the motherhood village Mm -hmm. and whether you remember whether you were pregnant or you had a surrogate or you gave birth and naturally, or you adopted or you had a C-section or there were all these what ifs. And at some point, I don't care how confident you are. You said, Oh my gosh, can I do it? And guess what? You did it. Mm -hmm. And so to that end, I feel like that's what entrepreneurship is too. So can you prepare for it? Yes, you can. You can read the books and you can listen to the podcast and you can take the classes and then you can do it. And you can know that when you do it, it's like the floor rises to meet you. And that doesn't mean that you won't fall on that floor on occasion, which I have done and I'll continue to do. But the important thing is you say, I'm doing, I'm taking action yes, and I'm learning from it. And so it's having the self-awareness and you spoke about, um, with your friends from the daily drip, that concept of self-awareness is critical and that knowing you can do it just like knowing you can be a great mom who also makes mistakes. You can be a great entrepreneur who also makes mistakes, but take action. Yes, 100%. I love that. And I want to jump into, to kind of bring it full circle, I know you're big on communication, obviously. Um, What are some other soft or hard skills I'd like to touch upon uh, that you think are helpful for entrepreneurs that maybe someone doesn't have? Like how, like someone listening could be like, how do I get self-awareness? When I talked with the Daily Jerk, we were talking how sometimes it can be something that happened in your life, a pivotal moment, and you can either put the blame or you can say, okay, well, what, you know, be really introspective, be really self-aware and say, okay, well, what was my responsibility in this? And we kind of talked briefly about that, but I think that's one way. Um, and go to therapy, go to therapy, um, because we all have trauma, but, um, in some way, shape or form, but yeah, what are some soft or hard skills that you'd like to share that you think someone listening can say, okay, what are some things that you think I should have to be successful in this? 
Sure. Well, first for me, that uh, concept of, um, going back to your earlier question, how do you cultivate self-awareness? And for me, my faith is very important. And so, um, really, you know, listening, um, when you go to church on Sunday, listening, and when there's something that comes up and you're like, wow, that really applies to, for example, let's talk about our marriage. Wow. That really applies to my husband. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute, that might apply to me too. And it's, it's recognizing that you've got a lot to learn. And so if you start with that premise, then the, the, you know, the Buddhists say, right. That, um, that the instructors, your, your teachers come to you. And I do believe in that. Oh yeah. That's so true. Yes, yes, yes. And then you can be intentional about seeking that out. And so for me, for example, the self-awareness manifests in the following is that I'm not great at bookkeeping, Nicole. In fact, not only am I not great at it, I dislike it. And so I recognized that you can get yourself in a world of hurt if you don't do your taxes correctly, (laughs) if you don't file properly. So when you think about the checklist, what do I do well? And as importantly, what do I not do well? And so, okay, I need to, I need to hire a bookkeeper sooner rather than later. You know, some people will say, oh, download QuickBooks very. And I'm like, yeah, great. I'm not, that's not for me. I'm not going to be downloading QuickBooks. And so that is having that assessment is really helpful. I love that. And being true to it. Like you said, like, I think sometimes we just have to be honest and, you know, I think social media can do so much good, but there's so much harm too, because everyone's a master. Everyone's been doing this. You need to do it this way. Anyone that knows me knows I don't, if everyone's going left, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try over here. That's just the way that I am. It's been, it's worked for me. I don't think putting all of your eggs in one basket, I believe in, you can't just rely on social media. You need connections. You need to talk with people. You need to have a website and all the things. But I also believe in that when people are like, you have to have this to your point, just start. If you want a workshop, who cares if one person comes, just start it, begin it, put it out there. I think we can focus a lot of times too much on the details and have that analysis paralysis that prevents us from really, really growing. So I also think you need to have the flexibility with that self-awareness, like you said, of knowing what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses? I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. So knowing who you need to surround yourself with, that's going to help propel you to whatever that next level is. But I think it also boils down to, like you said, with it, which is one of your C's, the clarity portion of it. Listen, podcasting is, is, is a lot of time and energy. And I know everyone is like starting podcasts, which are great. But the first question I ask everyone, I'm like, what is your clear message in starting this? Why are you doing this? You need a North Star that's going to propel you because when things hit the fan and you're overwhelmed, it's so easy to say, I can't do this anymore. Absolutely. Because you are on an island, you know, you're figuring it out with all the things you do might, you might have to work 24 seven. You might have to work on the holidays because now it's your business. So very similar, like I said, with the podcasting, I'm using this as an example because we're on the podcast now. It's like, well, why are you doing this? And that's why I love that that's one of your C's because being clear is super, super important. If you know that, your messaging comes with that. It solves a lot of problems. Oh my God, it does. It it, it answers a lot of questions. Yes. And so when you're clear about what you're trying to achieve, you can then in your mind's eye readily see the people with whom you're trying to connect. Yes. And I like to talk a lot about impact. And whether we're in for-profit or non-profit, we are making impact yeah. and we're impacting lives. And so 
that is powerful. And then if you're starting a podcast, who are the lives you want to impact? For sure. Yeah, especially if you're going to spend, spend the time and the money to do something like that, to be clear on that, I think is key. I think it also tells you and knows what you, what you don't want to do, what you don't want to bring in, the clients that you don't want to have. Just as important. Right. Um, I don't think we talk about that enough either, because I think people, when they start a business, they think I'm going to get all the clients and I want everyone. And sometimes you have to realize that not everyone's for you and that's okay. That you're going to be clear once you're clear on your message of knowing truly who your audience is. I want to ask before we part ways here, how do you release, reset and recharge? I know you love to read avid reader like myself. I actually found myself loving more novels more than anything that I can read in like two days. The other books like take me a little bit, you know, cause you want to go back and you refer. And I think that's what they're, that's what they're for. You highlight, you do all the things. I love a good beach read um, that can kind of like transport me somewhere else when I'm feeling overwhelmed. But how do you juggle all the different roles? Have you figured out a good pace for yourself? You know, your boys are, they are older now, um, but they're growing into young men, you know, Um, obviously you have your two adult stepchildren, your marriage. How do you make sure to prioritize where you can, but also most importantly to prioritize Katie? So I think that um, what first comes to mind is what I shared with you earlier, um, having some kind of a faith practice that's super important for me. I have a, I have a, a daily gratitude journal and um, sometimes there are a few days and that doesn't, um, I don't, I, I, I'm not writing down my notes and those are just, it's bulleted. Yes. And when I don't do that, I get off. So that's um, that daily gratitude and um, daily prayer as well. What I will also say is that connection with people and prioritizing relationships, that's important. And that relationship with myself, which is part of your question, and exercise, the importance of exercise. And I, I discounted that, I think, probably for a very long time. And only in the past, I would say, three years have I become very faithful about walking. And I recently added weights. I have to be adding weights. Okay. I'm not great at that. I don't like to do it, Nicole. I, I, you know, I, I, I hold it wrong. I feel <laughs> it's awkward it, for you. It's yeah. totally awkward. That's exactly where we need to be. Like yes. Brené Brown says, stay yes. awkward, my friends, Get up. Mm-hmm. you know? And so yes. I'm doing that. And, um, so I think those are, okay. those are some things that, um, you know, cultivate your relationships, cultivate your friend groups. Love that. Your your mother friend groups, your business friend groups. Recognize you have, you are multifaceted. It's true because truthfully, they could be two different things. I think last week I was like, we need an entrepreneurial support group. Like I just needed to dump on somebody. And my friend- Call me next time. Yeah, yes. One of my, you know, my support group moms, like that's one venting. I was like, I need like a- like, a, uh, like we need to talk about this. Like this was a week and all the things. So I love how you said that because there are going to be different pods of different people that you can run to. Your family and friends that aren't entrepreneurs are never going to understand what you're building. They can support. They'll never understand what you're going through. You have right. to talk to another entrepreneur to say, listen, this was a shitty week. I feel this. Am I doing it? I have imposter syndrome. All the things that come up. That's right. Um, I want you to talk how people can connect with you. And specifically also, I know you say you work with your clients, I guess the services that you provide. Um, and I'll put this all in the show notes, but I, I also like to give my guests the opportunity. But yes, how people can connect with you and then the services and your scope of things that you sure, do. Sure. I work with 
clients, um, founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders in three primary ways. First off, I have some workshops that I do, one of which is called Master Your Message and where we develop the messages that support your goals, whether you're going to be talking about, um, you have an interview you're getting ready for, or you need to talk about your platform messages. And so it's a series of workshops, um, that I do. And separately from that, I have one-on-one coaching and that might be longer term message, um, work over the course of uh, three months. Sure. And then finally, I have something that's called Outsource CMO. So these are three to six to nine month engagements where we tackle a program, a project, a business launch for my clients. And those are custom projects um, that are done. And all of those are listed on my website, which goes to your um, question as well, which is cabanas dash consulting.com. I'm also on Instagram at Cabanas Consulting and LinkedIn, Katie Cabanas. I love it. And LinkedIn, I know is getting a whole push. Um, I love connecting on LinkedIn. LinkedIn has actually done really well for me. Um, And just connecting, I think, you know, I love how there's different platforms. I think, of course, if used properly, Um, I always love coming to this piece because I love to give my guests an opportunity to share any final thoughts. I know we talked about a lot and, you know, all the things, but I guess if you can boil it down, if there's a clear message, no pun intended, that you'd like to kind of get from our conversation that you'd like my listeners to really understand? Sure, sure. I would go back to the three C's. And in fact, I have a worksheet that I want to share with your listeners that has a custom um, a custom URL and it shows what those three C's are. It also lists some questions associated with each one. So it's clarify, craft and connect. And then I have a couple of resources. So I have the Tara Moore book that I mentioned and shared earlier and a couple of other books that I really like. And that is for download on my website at cabanas-consulting.com backslash TMV for the motherhood village. So cabanas-consulting.com backslash TMV. And it's my gift to your listeners because what you're doing and how you're supporting the motherhood uh, village is great. I'm thrilled to be um, a guest today and also a member of the village. So thank you, Nicole. No, thank you so much, Katie, for coming on, for sharing your story, for sharing such amazing information and wisdom and all the things. I feel like when I have these conversations, it fills my cup to no end because I learn so much. And then my gears and things are always like, well, how do I implement? How do I bring this further? Um, Because very, how you have your three C's, I'm always community education and connection. Like that's the foundation. Um, So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your story and continued blessings to you for love and light. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their Motherhood Village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.